0: What's going on, everybody? Zach Elvira here, alongside Eric Newman. This is the Take It Easy Sports Show here on ArizonaVarsity.com. We've got a good show ahead of us today. We've got, you know, we're talking Week Two football. We're, you know, previewing Week Three. Some of our favorite matchups, some of the games that we're actually going to be seeing ourselves. Um, Eric, let's get straight into it. Uh, you were out at uh, Peoria Cactus on Friday. Is oh, that right. correct? Correct. And all right um,
1: at Deer Valley, Washington.
0: That's right. You and I both covered actually two games last week. So uh, I'll, I'll jump into mine um, right after yours. I was at uh, Chandler prep and North point prep on Thursday. And then I was at Mount, I'm sorry, desert Vista and Highland on Friday. But uh, what'd you see from your Thursday game, Deer Valley in Washington?
1: Uh, Deer Valley. Um, and I wrote a feature on this for Arizona varsity. Uh, go check that out on our website. Um, Deer Valley's 2-0 and for the first time in several years. It's been since the 2015 season, since they started a season 2-0. and um, Wow. And Dan Friedman out there, uh, he was, I mean, he was ecstatic because it's the first time they've been that under him um, in a few years. And, you know, they've had some rough years. Two seasons ago, they didn't win a game. Last year, I think they won two or three. Nothing uh, to brag about. But, you know, it's to start this way is big for them. Um, and they've got a new quarterback, sophomore quarterback, Rudy Gonzalez, um, who really kind of lit a fire under this team. He was, they weren't sure whether he was going to start or not, but he, he went in, in this game um, and drove him down the field for a opening touchdown in the opening drive. And then coach basically coach Friedman basically said, Oh, we're going with him. Um, he's going to lead us. And, He threw for three or four touchdowns, I think it was. Uh, Yeah, he threw for three. And then Ashton Hill, their awesome running back, ran for two more. And they dominated Washington, a team that um, last year gave them some trouble. And so it looks like good things are happening over there, Uh, at least for 4A. I don't know how they would stack up against some other teams um, in 5A or 6A, but they don't have to worry about that right now.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And then Cactus, uh, in their win against Peoria in a rivalry game, I thought this would be a lot closer. Uh, It really surprised me um, how, because last year, the uh, Cactus, in the regular season, it took a drive in the last few minutes of the game to win in the fourth quarter over Peoria. But, you know, that was a, a different atmosphere when there's not the same amount of fans, and it's at Cactus instead of at Peoria. But I thought it would be more of a fight. They really dominated everywhere. And it was Cactus's defensive line that really, really stuck out to me. Uh, Ethan Price had four tackles for loss. He's a senior over there. Three of them were sacks. And they just... Uh, Cameron Mack is one of the best 4A running backs in... what, uh, One of the best running backs in 4A for Peoria. And... He had one or two big runs, but for the most part, they couldn't really get him open space. And you can have the best running back in the world, but if the offensive line isn't blocking that well for him, it doesn't really matter. And they just, they clogged up the running lanes, Cactus did, and made it so Peoria really didn't have a chance to do much at all on offense. And then they just run it down their throats, ran it down their throats. Um, Five rushing touchdowns of the six touchdowns on the game uh were on the run and it was just it was an impressive victory after coming out seemingly flat the week before and Sunrise Mountain has proved that they're a good team as well, but um you know, losing losing that badly as they did in week
0: one, uh it was kind of a statement week for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um so like I mentioned before, Thursday night I was at North Point Prep at Chandler Prep. Um kind of not not even kind of i should say uh very lopsided uh chandler prep pretty much was in control the entire game um sterling harris 2023 running back there chandler prep he played only two quarters and he got roughly 128 yards and two touchdowns um uh chandler preps um this athlete that they have josh van ort he's a 2022 kid um, plays both sides of the ball, which is kind of which is pretty common actually for the two A level, obviously yeah. with smaller roster sizes. But um, very good size for a two A player. Six foot two, 180 pounds. He plays defensive back and wide receiver. And as you can probably imagine, he overpowered the opposing defenders when he was on offense. Um, and then on defense, he returned a 91 yard interception for a touchdown. Um, really, really, uh, you know, Chandler Prep's a good looking team um they've got talent now they're not super deep as far as like the offensive line or defensive line goes sure. but as far as overall athlete they've definitely got the talent there uh and that that front seven on defense especially is is very very good they did not let north point prep do just about anything and um like i said that game kind of ended in a lopsided score it was uh I think it was like 42 to six or something like that. Something close to that. Um, so, you know, good, good showing, obviously by Chandler Prep, the, uh, the Britain son and uh, father duo, there, co-head coaches, they're doing a great job. And um, yeah, I mean, they, they could be a, they could be a sleeper team in that two A division. If, if they are technically considered a sleeper at this point, uh, they are two and O and they play Sequoia pathway. Who's also two and O on Friday, actually. Uh, my next game was Desert Vista at Highland. And this game, uh, much like Chandler Prep and North Point Prep, was over after the first quarter. Um, Highland absolutely put it on Desert Vista right away. And by that, I mean, I think it was like the third or fourth play of the game. Gage Daly hit a 69-yard touchdown pass to... Um, man, I'm forgetting who it was. Um but I'll, I'll figure, I'll, I'll look it up really quick. But, nice. um, Amon Allen, uh, 60 roughly yard interception return, uh, against Desert Vista. And then Max Davis did his thing on the ground. Pretty much all the starters only played, um, you know, one half for the most part because it was, uh, like 35 to nothing at halftime. And that Desert Vista team is just extremely young. Um, you know, I, I did the, you know, the top five players from the game. For both games actually and the two that i did for desert vista are both sophomores which was jackson akins and then michael allison who is their linebacker slash running back slash pretty much does a little bit of everything for desert vista uh insanely fast kid i think he runs somewhere around like a four two four three maybe four four forty um So he, I think he had like 138 yards of offense total from what I got. Now my stats are never official, of course, but um, that's just kind of like what I was able to get down when I was on the sideline there. Um, But yeah, I mean, Highland looked pretty good. And I even, um, I even said on Twitter and it might, it was pretty, it was premature and I, I realized that the next day. But, you know, once we see this Highland team go up against the Chandlers, And like the, the Hamiltons later on this season, I want to see how this defense does because they were explosive. They got after the opposing offense and they were in the backfield every single play. And I made the argument that this could be a defense this year. That's better than the 2018 Highland team that pushed Chandler to the, to overtime in the semifinals. So, We'll have to see. Obviously, like I said, that was, that was kind of a premature, you know, uh, I guess, prediction on my part. But uh, they were very impressive. So, And I'll be interested to see what happens. I want to ask you
1: about this, but um, Desert Vista, I was at their uh, their last game of the season last year, the 6A semis, when they uh, almost came back and beat Liberty. Yep. They
0: No, they lost. They lost to Liberty.
1: That's what I said, they almost beat them. Oh, I thought you said they came back and beat them. I bet. They Go came ahead. back and almost beat them. Anyway, okay. um they you know, it seemed like they had some promise for the next year. They had some young guns. Is it just that they have too much youth on the team that isn't experienced right now and it's just gonna take a little bit before they get there? Or what's going on with Desert Vista? Because you know, I thought um I don't know much about the line still and everything, obviously, but um, Devin Grubbs is awesome. Um, I figured he would kind of show out under, um, and not being under the shadow of his brother Tyson anymore. Um, but you know, it's, it's surprising that they've gone on 2. Granted, they've played two good teams, but still, like, is it, is it just youth
0: there? Or what's going on? So much of it is youth. Now, granted, Devin did not play against Highland. Sure. He got banged up actually against Corona. Um, and then, you know, Dan Hines told me that he anticipated him to be back this week for Basha. So, you know, I think he'll add that spark to the offense that they've kind of been missing. Um, but, you know, to your point, like you kind of mentioned, the offensive line is just young. Um, they've got a couple of juniors. I think they've got one sophomore. They've got, I think, one or two seniors. But I think only one of them really saw considerable playing time last year. Now, I could be wrong on that, but I do know they had a lot of offensive linemen uh, leave for graduation last year, so uh, they're just a really young team, and they're doing kind of a like a, a tandem at quarterback with Caden Lentz and then uh, Jackson Aikens, uh, Caden being the junior who w- had a pretty good season, actually, on JV, although he got hurt, so he he's still coming off an injury as well, and then Jackson Aikens led that freshman team, I think, to a one-loss season, but... You know, what Hines told me is kind of the obvious going straight from freshman to varsity is a really big jump. I don't care how good you are. It's a pretty big jump. Um, And he just said that it's just taking some time for them to adjust. But one thing that I know about Dan Hines and you know about Dan Hines and that coaching staff is they're going to have those guys ready to play every single week. Yeah. Whether or not they come out on top, you know, we'll see what happens, but. I, I mean, they're they're going to be ready to play. They're not going to back down from anybody. And they're going to keep playing throughout the entire game, whether they're up by 40 or down by 40. So, Yeah,
1: man, I uh, I expect them to uh, make a comeback. I don't know how to even think about, because there's a lot of teams um, that are 0-2 or maybe 2-0 that weren't necessarily uh, slated to be that way. It's still early. Um, and I expect that they'll make a comeback and make a good showing of it. Yeah.
0: And we are going to talk about, this week's games obviously a little bit later on but they match up very well with basha i think two very young teams at obviously you know key positions i think basha is still starting a freshman quarterback and a couple of their freshmen as well on both sides of the ball actually so um, i think it'll be a really good game on friday actually between two young teams kind of trying to find their way they're both zero and two and you mentioned something i think it was about Deer Valley starting two and zero for the first time since 2015, right? Yeah, that's right. So what's really funny about that is I went back and I looked at AZ Football Archives. Shout out to uh, to AZ Football Archives, obviously for being pretty much the centerpiece for all things high school football in the in the in the history here in Arizona of high school football, I should say. Yep. Um, now, according to that website, this is the first time in program history. Desert Vista is starting zero and two. Would you believe that if I told you that? I mean, yeah. I mean, I suppose
1: so. They're good pretty much every year. Um, they've won state before. They've you know been deep in the playoffs year after year after year. Dan Hines is an awesome coach. Um, they have good talent every year, so it's hard to believe it's happening.
0: But it's not hard to believe that that's the stat. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it was funny because I even asked Dan about that. I was like, so I'm sorry to bring this stat up, you know, to you. But is is this something that kind of, I guess, rings your bell for lack of a better term? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, it's possible. But I feel like I've had an 0-2 team. But I went back and looked again just to double check. And I still didn't see where they started 0-2 in previous years. Now, granted, that does not mean that this team is terrible. That is not trying to take a shot at this team. Dan Hines also said this is the youngest team that he's ever coached. And that showed, I mean, when you're going up against a Cronodel soul team who obviously didn't have a great season last year, but all of those guys are back. So they have that veteran experience now. And then you go up against a team like Highland who has, you know, their, their quarterback back for a second year, their entire defense for the most part is back. So again, another very experienced group. Um, that's why I said I think this matchup with them and Basha on Friday is going to be a little bit more balanced in terms of which team is favored because they're both super young, but they're both very talented. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it'll just be kind of one of those, you know, maybe who has the ball last kind of games. I mean, we'll have to see, but because um, obviously Basha, they they're still going to be without arguably one of the best you know, defensive players. And I think the 2023 class and Wyatt Milkovic, he's still not eligible yet because of transfer rules. So um, I don't know. It'll be, I think that game is going to be extremely interesting. I know I'm kind of, you know, uh, spilling the beans a little bit here as far as what, what game I'm probably covering this week. But um, I think I just had to mention that because, you know, people are going to be looking at desert Vista and saying, Oh crap, like what's going on with them. But truth of the matter is they're just really young this year and that's really it honestly that makes sense um and then mountain point
1: is also uh in a similar situation but they're you know also in a kind of a rebuild mode um after the, the way last year went are they
0: is it similar or what are you seeing from that squad so mountain point in my opinion they're not necessarily young i mean they are very young at some positions they're not young more than they are just not used to each other. Um, mm-hmm. This is a team that had a lot of transfers. Um, I don't even know the actual number to be completely honest. Some of them are eligible right away. Obviously Jaden Crockett from Alhambra. Um, Amir Boyd obviously from South Mountain is eligible right away. Um, but then you've got guys like you know, Rob Moore from Chandler who's not eligible. You've got guys like Chris Arviso, who's a very talented sophomore quarterback who's not eligible yet. Um, you have a couple linemen that aren't eligible. You have linemen that are hurt right now, including zero Way Williams who picked up six or seven major division one college football offers before he even stepped foot on the field for a live varsity game. Yeah. Um, Mountain point is just one of those teams where if they can figure it out and win one, two games in the next three weeks or something like that, I think, well, actually we're two weeks in. So if they can get one or two wins in the next two weeks and then have everybody eligible and potentially people healthy, and I think Zero Way Williams is actually going to be playing this week, possibly, um, this could be a very dangerous team down the back stretch of the season and into the playoffs, possibly. Now, granted, they have to come together. They have to learn how to play with each other. Hopefully, they're doing that in practice, so that way they're, you know, accustomed to how everyone is on the field. Um, But, yeah, I mean, they they played really well against Higley, and then they faced a Centennial team that was probably pretty pissed off because they got mercy-ruled by Hamilton. So, um, you know, and obviously, when you're down a bunch of D-line and offensive linemen facing Centennial's offensive line, that's just a behemoth of an offensive line. Uh, you can probably expect it not to really go your way, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, Centennial's tough. Um, That's going to be a team that I think the rest of the year they're going to be on a mission to kind of prove that week one against um, Hamilton wasn't their real identity, whether it is or yeah. not. They're going to be yeah. motivated the rest of the year. It's rare that they take a loss like that at the beginning of the yeah. year.
0: Uh, one team I do want to ask you about. We're going to go to 2A football for this. Um, You know, I brought it up to you before when they lost in week one, and that was Trivium Prep's regular season win streak. Now they have a regular season loss streak, or losing streak, I should say. Uh, They lost to Scottsdale Christian by a pretty good margin, actually, 49-14 in week one, and week two looks like Scottsdale Prep just barely squeaked by with a 27 26 win. Um, Have you gotten a sense for what may be going on with Trivium, whether it be just a game that got away from them? Are they also pretty young? Like what, you know, what have you kind of heard out West? They are really young. Um, That's kind of the biggest part of
1: it is they lost a bunch of their main stay players from last year um, that were seniors, big parts of the team. They have, they have some size, but not a ton, for, especially for 2A. And also part of it is that um, this Scottsdale prep team was the only... Uh, when I'm looking back at the schedule, Scottsdale prep was the only one that really gave them much of a game. They played a really tough uh, one-score game against Camp Verde last year, but they only beat Scottsdale prep last year, even with the undefeated record by two points. They won 15-13. Um, so that was kind of a grinded-out game, and Scottsdale prep has some good players back so i think it's youth and also that um you know i think that they were obviously a way outplayed in the first game um uh, by scottsdale christian but i think scottsdale prep and them are pretty even most of the time and you know the team just happens to be a little bit
0: better this year got it okay makes sense um one game i do want to look at really quick before I move on to um you know, looking ahead to, to week three of the football season, I'm glad that we are still getting to this point. Um, Chandler pinnacle Chandler basically run ruled pinnacle to the point where I think Chile even said their scoreboard power went out. And obviously that doesn't have to do anything to do with the score, but still funny. It is funny. Um What was your reaction when you saw that score to that game? I weirdly was not that surprised.
1: I just think okay. that it's funny because neither was I. Like, I just think that they happen to be freaking awesome. Like, (laughs) I think it just so happens that this team is going to destroy people. And whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, you could argue. Um, But I only think there's two or three teams in the entire state that are really able to play with them. And, you know, that was kind of what people were thinking, but it's
0: just kind of been on display now. Yeah. I mean, I... I guess I shouldn't say I was surprised to see that it was that bad, but, I mean, I thought Pinnacle would at least, you know, get in the end zone a couple times. Yeah, I suppose I should say that I figured they'd probably score. Yeah. I mean, especially when considering, I think, I want to say that most of Chandler's starters were out of the game in the first half, or I'm sorry, in the second half. Because I'm pretty sure I saw a video of Eli Sanders, obviously, someone that, you know, I've covered since he was at mountain point as a sophomore who I have kind of grown pretty close to just based on, you know, him, I guess being willing to talk to me whenever I need him to, which obviously is is cool with me. So, Um, but I saw that he only played, I think the first half, but I think he scored like three touchdowns in the first half or something ridiculous like that. Maybe four actually. Um, And shout out to Eli. Obviously he picked up an Iowa state offer. He's still committed to Boise state, um, but you know, it, i think you know just just him still picking up these offers is something to show his family one day and look back on just to see like how much attention he got from colleges i think it's awesome so of course um
1: so i have a weird you know, I question think, yeah. for you um yeah kind of getting off of uh, i guess eli will be involved in this do you think that you know we go to the um there's all the awards ed Doherty Award, um, the 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 different the, the Arizona Varsity Awards, AZ Preps, 365 Awards, which is basically the AIA. Um, I know Richard Smith does a West Valley one, which wouldn't include them. But do you think that Chandler Kids or maybe Hamilton or some of the other teams that are blowing people out could end up losing some of their stats because they're blowing teams out so quickly and not playing in the second half? Is that realistic? Um... Do you know what I mean? Or I, mean so, I mean, just I mean, yeah. I mean, if they're winning by so much, they've got they're doing pretty well. Like their best players are yeah. probably picking up stats anyway. But you know what I mean? Like, think how many more yards and touchdowns he would have gotten um, if he had played the second half. And obviously, you don't do that. That's not how football works. If yeah, you're up by 50 yeah. points or whatever. You don't do it. But think about that. Like, if if he's going for player of the year or whatever, um,
0: so. I think, short answer, yes. Now, granted, I think the biggest thing that some of these kids want is film. So obviously, you know, obviously an award would be great. But what's more rewarding than a full-ride scholarship to go to college for free? Yeah. So, and that's why I think, like, maybe, and obviously, you know, Rick Garrison and that Chandler staff, they understand that. You know, if it if it was one of those situations where Eli, you know, wasn't there last year, maybe, you know, I don't know, just didn't get a lot of playing time whatever and didn't get the attention that he had already received. Yeah, I think I think Rick would have let him stay in there, maybe just have him run with like maybe like the second string offensive line or something like that. Um just for him to get more film and everything. But when you score four touchdowns in the in the first half of a game, I think you're okay anyway, but yeah, granted a lot of those Chandler stars that we see making all these plays and making the score sixty-four to nothing in a very short amount of time, a lot of them are already committed. Like Mikey King, obviously Central Florida, which by the way is I think creating a pipeline from from <laughs> from Orlando to Arizona. It looks like yeah, or at least to the East Valley. Um, and then obviously, like I said, Eli is committed to Boise State right now. Jalen Richmond is committed to Boise State. Uh, Keon Gray's committed to to U of A, Um, you know, Nicholas Nesbitt has got some offers that he can really pick and choose from at this point, that entire offensive line has offers. Um, So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe from the the perspective of like the way that I'm looking at it is completely different than what coaches actually think. But I mean, I don't think you pull guys unless it's going to unless you know that You know they're gonna have enough film for that specific game, yeah. Especially if they're guys that you think are are able to go, you know, to a Division One school like that. Um, So I mean, maybe again, the
1: thing is, if you're up by that many, probably the best kids have done pretty well for themselves anyway.
0: Well, and you also got to think too. It's like when you're up by that much, how much at that point do you want to risk injury? That's true. So, because I mean, all it doesn't even it doesn't even take a weird hit. All it takes is. One step sometimes that we've seen, you know, basically everywhere. One bad step and your season is done because your knee goes out or whatever. So, I mean, look at look at the Dak Prescott injury. Sim, just, you know, quarterback run. He wanted to get the first down. He got it. He got tackled in a weird way out for the season. Yeah. So, like, you know what I mean? So, at some point, it's like, you know, the quote-unquote basketball term load management. I think it's the same thing for football, especially in a season where you didn't have as much time to prepare in pads. Like you, like obviously with what's going on with the, with the pandemic. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I get your point, but I mean, again, when you score four touchdowns in the first half, I think you're all right anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And you've, are, and you've already got college attention. So.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, I was almost just being facetious, but it, in a way I wonder um anyway are there other teams you know we've talked about some of the ones that have stuck out to us are there any other teams um going into week three that have surprised you either good or bad um who's who's stuck out to you in either way
0: um there have been a few that have kind of stuck out to me but i'm actually gonna throw a curveball at you eric yeah um we're gonna hold this conversation for a few minutes down the road because right now i want to bring on ralph amson okay uh so as you guys all know eric and i celebrate and it's kind of a surprise to eric because i didn't tell him yet uh we had had talked about getting ralph on the show um you know kind of as a review because eric and i surpassed 20 episodes last week and thank you again to all of you for the support and everything um we're going to be making a lot of changes in the next couple weeks here new music um you can now subscribe and follow our podcast specifically and get all of our episodes essentially sent to you. Um, so a lot of changes are coming down, but we want to talk to Ralph or I want to talk to Ralph and kind of just get his sense of where we are now compared to our first episode because he was our first ever interview on the show. Now, granted, we're not going to do the same thing that we did before where we ask how, about him and how he you know, got into this business and stuff like that. We're going to talk quickly about our show, and then we're going to go straight into more football questions, which includes teams that have surprised us so far this year. So Eric, if you're ready, I'm ready to bring on Ralph, and uh, we'll get we'll get this, uh, this kind of surprise interview started here. Cool. Ralph, how are you doing tonight? Thanks for joining us. I'm good, guys. I'm excited to be back on. So I kind of surprised Eric a little bit. I actually didn't tell him that you were going to be jumping on with us. We're recording our segment, and we were kind of just... You know, going through, you know, what games we covered, uh, we were about to actually head into the teams that have surprised us the most, but I kind of threw a curveball at him and said, I want to hold off on that because we're going to ask Ralph the same question. So uh, we will get into that. But first things first, Eric and I surpassed 20 episodes. This is episode number 21 now. Um, you and I and Eric have all talked about the the changes that we have coming when it comes to, new, the, you know, the new music. Um, You know, just the new way that we're introducing everyone on the show, kind of a little more of a relaxed environment, not so, I guess, by the book, per se, Uh, because we want this to truly, I guess, encompass who Eric and I are and our personalities. And we're, you know, as you very well know, Eric and I are definitely not the straight by the book kind of people. So with that said, you were our very first guest ever on this show. And you gave us this platform to obviously talk nonsense and talk about food and, you know, just make dumb jokes. So what kind of difference have you seen between our show now and from the very first episode that we recorded with you?
2: Well, I think with any – I've been doing podcasts for a really long time and, and um, you know, I was very anxious when I started, you know – I was thinking about the people who were going to be listening to it. And hopefully there would be a few. And my concern was all with them. Was it edited perfectly? Can you hear me inhaling? Um, You know, is there a pop guard over the mic? So it doesn't sound like, you know, every time I hit a hard P or something like that, that, you know, that it's bothering their ears. What are the levels like? All that stuff. Um, You know, I was worried about that for the longest time. And that took away from just being able to be myself. And I think um, for me, when you guys had Eric's dad on the show. And like he made you laugh, Zach, like he genuinely made you laugh. Yeah, I think you were able to kind of forget for a second about the process of doing it and trying to make sure that it was uh, right. And the nerves kind of went away a little bit. And, and that was the first time I really felt like you guys were kind of like in the moment and not, you know, Hey, there's this interview that we have to do. We have these questions scripted out. Like, can we even leave room to be kind of like fun you know, and how, how do you manufacture fun? You know, that was the first time I felt like all of those questions kind of went away and, and you were both able to just kind of be yourselves. And then from that point, you've got more comfortable every single time. And it, to me, it's just been, you know, y- you might not have felt like it was yours in the beginning. You might have felt like, you know, I helped give it to you or that it, it you know was for Arizona varsity or something but the longer that you're in a space the more comfortable you're gonna get and that's so that's what I sense when I listen to the show now I just I hear two people that are a little bit more comfortable and um, which is funny because you guys never have any issue just talking to each other when you're outside of the podcast and so it's just becoming more like real life and it's weird that it takes effort to capture that but it is really hard just to manufacture two people hanging out and, and, you know, I think a lot of people start a podcast and just say like, man, I really enjoy the conversations I have with the people in my life. I bet other people would enjoy them too. And then you try to bottle it and it's weird. Right. And it, it it just takes time. And you guys have spent the time and you've been consistent and uh, yeah. And I think that comfort is definitely showing through. Um, that's not to say that i haven't enjoyed it from the beginning but it's really been fun to listen to it sort of evolve over time
1: we're lucky we have at least one consistent listener because you have to <laughs> you have right. to edit it beforehand um <laughs> do you uh, we're not the only ones that started a podcast with this thing either are you just inundated with audio content all the time now or like what does your day consist of just listening to the 8 million podcasts that Arizona varsity has and all of them great for their own reasons. Um,
2: I, I do. I, so I, um, anyway, outside of anything for Arizona varsity, I listen to about eight to 10 podcasts a day and all of them are on two X speed. And so when I get something to yeah. edit for Arizona varsity, it's always radically different because I'm listening, listening and not just powering through them so that I have a basic knowledge base to do my job, uh, or so that I can be entertained by, you know, whatever other podcasts I'm consuming. So it's just this radical shift. It's like going from the hot tub to the swimming pool Like the swimming pool feels a lot colder than it really is because you were in the hot tub. And so when I, when I listen to, um, your show or Sandy's, uh, or something from Lee Patterson or Greg Esposito, um, it's definitely a much different uh, process, but yeah, I mean, I do uh, probably a couple of hours a day um, of audio stuff and then, and then editing people's written stories, uh, Tack on another couple hours um, for that. But I, I mean, it's, it's really, really what I enjoy doing. And I've, um, I, I don't know, I, I think it's been kind of a fun process watching Um, watching them all develop. And like my goal is that you guys are creating something that you could take with you and just have, whether you're part of Arizona varsity or not, something that you feel like is worth your time, Um, you know, and it's not just something that you're making for a website, but something that you really enjoy doing together. And I I feel like I really started to hear that in, you know, in your interactions and in the people you you interview and the way you play off each other. I think it's coming along nicely.
0: Yeah. You know, Going back to really quick, just to that episode with that with uh, Eric's dad, Jamie. Um, to your point, that was probably the first time I actually felt comfortable just like you said, kind of not really sticking to a you know a script per se. And you know, I speak on behalf of Eric and myself when I say that we don't actually script out anything at all anymore. Uh, I mean, for the most part, even just the conversations Eric and I even have about our podcast is, hey, when are we when are we gonna record? Um, for the most part, we already have an idea of what we want to talk about, especially with you know sports in full swing now. Um, so I think that is kind of a, a point where we've both become more comfortable. Um, but getting into a little bit more about you know everything that you're doing with Arizona Varsity, part of your role now is you kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, have your own command center on Friday night. So what is it like watching a few different games on stream at the same time as obviously paying attention to our hashtag team AZV
2: and retweeting all of our our updates from games, it's harder than I thought. Um, you know, because I've I've spent plenty of time watching multiple college games at once, and then obviously you know we're used to the the NFL red zone era of being able to turn on one channel that shows you when somebody's about to score every single time. But these high school streams are just like they're they're terribly filmed. Uh, The camera angles are crazy and shaky and the people broadcasting the games don't often really know what's going on. A lot of them are in, in some cases are high school students. And so even if I was focusing in on one high school game on a stream, it would be pretty confusing. Um, So to have, I, I, this last Friday I had three games up and then I was also listening to the radio broadcast of the game of the week, which our own Sandy Charles was supposed to be on. But they had an audio issue, so they couldn't toss to her. So it just was listening to um, Dan Minucci call that whole game while watching Hamilton, Perry, Chandler, Pinnacle, and Mesquite sunrise. And um, I feel like I digested none of it. Like it, that was, it. It was genuinely difficult, just because it was, it. You know, you don't have camera angles cutting in close on, you know, on the quarterback. You don't get replay. So if I miss something, I have no idea what happened. I have to go check Twitter to see if anybody tweeted out what the play I missed was, what the touchdown I missed was. I probably watched twenty minutes of game action from the Mesquite sunrise mountain game there's 86 total points scored I bet I saw two touchdowns live wow because I was just trying to pay attention to multiple things at once and then I got to be honest like the NBA finals game five you know I had one eye on that too and then I'm retweeting everybody's stuff and so it's it's definitely something that it's going to take some some getting used to because it's just not they're not going to be quality broadcast it's all going to be really rudimentary stuff and so you don't know what to focus on and when um so that that's going to be that's going to take a little bit of getting used to i think i think there's no way i can watch three games at once like i tried to this last friday i think i have to pick two and if one gets out of hand if one team goes up by more than two scores then I just got to find a closer game um, the thing that sucks is if you have an NFHS subscription, you can't watch multiple games at the same time. So I can't open up like a new window mm. for all the NFHS games. I, I couldn't toggle between games, which doesn't make sense. Um, you should be able to do something like that, but it, it, it won't let you. So you can only watch one NFHS game and then... Uh, Some of the streams are free. And then Sports 360 AZ does all the Chandler Unified ones. So I can usually find one on there. And then Prep Spotlight AZ has been charging for individual games. And I haven't really bought a subscription Mm -hmm. to that yet. So um, if there's a game that I need to see on there, then I'll also have to pay for that. So that'll be, um, I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting, it's definitely been an interesting experience.
0: That doesn't make sense to me with, with NFHS because you pay, I mean, it's not cheap to subscribe and watch those games. So I don't understand why they wouldn't let you, you know, watch multiple games at once or even do like a split screen of two games.
2: Yeah. I remember last year um, I was at an Arizona state game. I can't remember who they were playing. Uh, Might've been Oregon. I think it was the Oregon game. I was at ASU Oregon while Chandler was playing Sal point Point. And Hamilton was playing Centennial or not Centennial. Who did Hamilton beat to go or Sowaro so, yeah, beat Saguaro. Hamilton? Go to the, So those two games are on Swaro Hamilton and Chandler Style Point. And I tried to watch them from the ASU press box by putting one on my phone and one on the computer, and NFHS wouldn't let me log in from two devices at the same time. So that that made wow. me mad.
0: Hey, shout out Larry Scott for those uh Friday night Pac twelve games. Oh yeah.
2: my gosh, cannot stand them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um with the football you have watched though has there have there been any teams that stand out zach and i were actually just about to talk about some of this in high school football like has there been anybody that surprised you or anybody that um you've been excited to see as two and oh or someone that you're surprised as zero and two what is what has been some of your takeaways sir Alf?
2: genuinely shocked that Sunrise mountain is um 2 and0 and and to see what they've been able to do on offense yeah both weeks and the way that they answered back repeatedly when Mesquite tried to come back on them um I've gotten to pay a lot of attention to them the last two weeks and so that was that was a genuine surprise um I would say that I also uh I, I watched a little bit of Valley Christian Phoenix Christian and And I'm proud of Valley Christian for the way that they've evolved. Them beating Phoenix Christian is a really big deal. Um, And I know Phoenix Christian's 2A and they're 3A, but this is a, this used to be a rivalry game. Um, And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's bad blood between the two teams, but like Valley wanted to win and uh, they ended up pulling it off uh, 21 to seven, which is really, really cool to see them figure out on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, because you know, I think, you know, they won a championship all the way back in, like, 2009 or something like that, and then they just kind of been uh, middling ever since and, and waiting to take that next step, and they've had some great coaches and, and infusion of talent, and I think they're finally starting to put it all together, so it's cool to see them be 2-0, Um as far and and then I guess Highland a little bit surprised me with what they did to Desert Ridge in the first week, and then everything good that Zach had to say about you know Highland's performance against Desert Vista that that was pretty impressive. Um, and if and then uh, I would say Hamilton um, being as advertised because I thought everyone was being a little bit hyperbolic with how good they said Hamilton was going to be this year and they have not disappointed. So those those are the things that are sticking out to me so far.
1: I was going to say on Sunrise Mountain that uh I went out there earlier this year uh and you know every coach when you go out there for a season preview says good things about their team. This is an awesome talented group, blah blah blah. Um but Steve Decker really really seemed to think that this was one of the most talented teams he's had out there. Um and, you know, he could throw platitudes around like, oh, we're skilled and we've got experience. But he was he was outright saying this is one of the most talented teams I've had, um, big bodies. And Sunrise Mountain really looks, um, they look good. I think this matchup coming against Liberty this coming week is going to show a lot because Liberty proved a lot uh, in their game over against Red Mountain. So uh, I think if they can even keep it close or even win against Liberty, that that shows a lot.
2: Yeah. This quarterback, um, from Nevada, Travis Ward, he's been a, he's been a nice surprise and he's a big kid. He's mm-hmm. six four, two ten. Uh, you know, he, it's not like he's lighting it up as a passer, but he has five touchdown passes and he scored once on the ground in, in each game. I, I don't think they win without him. And so, you know, against Mesquite, he was eight for 10, two touchdown passes and ran for another. You can't ask him to do much more, and then their running game was was fantastic as well. And so, um, I, I would, I can, I think I have them in in, the t- in my top five in five A, and I don't think Agreed. they were even in my top ten going into the season.
1: Yeah, and part of it is, I mean, that was the biggest question for them moving forward was who is going to play quarterback and could they produce. Um, so I think that that answers that quite a bit, and whether he's the stand back in the pocket and make a bunch of throws um we've yet to see that but he's done enough to help them beat two good teams
0: you know one team that has kind of surprised me a lot I guess not necessarily surprised me in, in the way that they're 2-0 and but I guess it's it's how they've won the games and that's Castile uh Boulder Creek one point win Higley last week one point win um they've got queen creek this week one of the i guess premier matchups uh, of week three for sure in my opinion um ralph i want to put you on the spot here for a second because because and queen creek are both two teams that a lot of you know team azv thinks could be in the open division who wins on friday
2: i think queen creek um because i think what it comes down to is having five division one kids on your defense that's pretty rare for anybody even you know even you know the almighty chandler and even hamilton and some of their some of their you know better years where they were uh rattling off you know 14 and 0 seasons back to back to back to back um having five surefire d1 kids that are all part of the same class on your on your defense is is pretty wild and so um as long as they do what they need to do offensively, I don't think Castile will have the ability to uh, to come back because if you if you put if you put Castile in a situation where they have to throw their way back into the game like they have the last couple of weeks, and you got six foot six safety crew jackson out there, you got Calcomit Hunter Barth, you got Isaiah Glass and, and Trey Reynolds pinning their ears back and, and trying to get um you know get to the quarterback. That's that's gonna be really, really tough to overcome. Um I I, I would just like to see a respectable showing from Castile and I'd like to see them start a little bit quicker than they have in the last couple of weeks because, you know, Queen Creek has shown that they're they're susceptible to that. Um, but, I, Queen Creek's questions were on the offensive side of the ball and those are starting to get answered. And if they get a lead, they're going to lean heavy on that running game. And that's going to be really tough for Castile to overcome. And so I'm, I'm looking at, uh, probably a seven to 10 point Queen Creek win conservatively.
0: Were you at all surprised by the
2: result of the Queen Creek Williamsfield game? Definitely. Um, Definitely, because I thought that maybe Campo Verde just had a really good game plan against Williamsfield to only hold them to uh, to 18 points. And I know that Williamsfield and Campo Verde both had long touchdowns um, called back in that game. And so, you know, in my mind, it was Williamsfield always starts slow. They'll figure it out. They've been bullying Queen Creek. They bully everybody in Queen Creek and Gilbert. It's what they do. Uh, and so for them to be handled from start to finish, and for you know that was the game that i listened to on the radio call and it felt like every 15 seconds it was like interception fumble recovery and so they just went out there they created a bunch of turnovers and they made usually a very disciplined team seem incredibly sloppy
1: it's uh it's rare to see them lose big to anybody um you know coming especially off of the championship last year um but we i want to i want to completely switch gears again uh we've done that a couple times now but there's been um there's been some reports uh, mainly by Arizona Centrals uh Richard Obert about parents wanting uh, i don't even know how to word it parents wanting teams to hide covid diagnoses from um from football and not making them public and letting kids Try and play. I mean, have you been? Have you stayed up on that? Um, what I mean, asking it simply, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm not a big fan of the story that Arizona Central decided to run. Um, it, it was co-authored by Richard Obert, but I think it was their education reporter that sure. that, that um, did the bulk of the reporting in there, and they were taking conversations without context from a semi, I want to say private Facebook group, but they invited me to be part of that Facebook group. So they Mm. weren't trying to keep it a secret. They invited me. I'm in it. So, uh, you know, I was reading a lot of what they had to say. And to me, it came off as concerned parents trying to mitigate some of the damage that has been done by spitballing ideas Mm -hmm. at no point did I ever take anything that they were saying as this is the plan we need to do this, especially when the parent presenting it wasn't even part of a team that had any positive tests and wasn't suspended and was a parent that was tagging us on Twitter every um, two days with some long thing he wrote in the notes app, none of which contained that anybody should be hiding any tests. He was one of the driving forces behind getting the AIA to actually change um, the the criteria um, for how many cases per 100,000 that it would be appropriate to to shut the whole thing down, if, if you remember. And so um, yeah. I read that and I had some major major qualms with um the the way that it was done it did not seem like an extreme amount of effort was put into making sure that the context was included and that those parents whose facebook posts were quoted also had the opportunity to speak on what it was they were saying and why
1: so So, kind of a straw man
2: no, it wasn't necessarily a straw man because they were acting on um, things that that actually existed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think a, a straw man would be, you know, what if parents decided to do this? Well, they did. They did write those things. And I think that it's something that probably needs talked about and needs to be addressed because I've talked to a lot of assistant coaches just in the last, uh, no head coaches, but a few assistant coaches just in the last two weeks. And they've all told me, we have to have this conversation because if we don't have this conversation with our team and with our parents, then they might come up with some bright idea that they feel like is being helpful in the moment. But it, one, one assistant coach told me, don't think it hasn't crossed our mind that we're, based on what's happening here, essentially being incentivized to cover things up in order to help all the kids in the event that none of them are, are sick. Don't think it hasn't crossed our mind, but one of the important things about it crossing your mind is you have the opportunity to flesh it out and address why that might not necessarily be ethical. And I think what a lot of people did is they read the headline to that story and they saw that Scottsdale parents wanted to cover up positive tests. And, and you know, they just, quote, tweeted it and, and were like, ah, these parents are jerks, spoiled, blah, 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 blah. But if you actually clicked into the story, it was, hey, we saw this in a Facebook um group and this is what was being said and then not a lot was really presented on why first of all why somebody would have that perspective what was being talked about when they presented that perspective and what was done by anybody else in that group to say hey maybe that's not the right move. And at any point they could have taken, uh, Mr. Schweigert, who was the, basically the subject of the story, the father of the Notre Dame quarterback's dad, they could have looked at any of the stuff that he posted on Twitter in the weeks leading up to it. And he was pretty adamant about, you know, keeping kids safe, but not necessarily thinking the metrics were logical and so I I don't know when I read that it did not feel like a fair representation of everything that I saw take place in that group on Facebook and on Twitter. Now, a, as a straw man, if you're saying like parents could do something like this, then the reaction should immediately be they should not do that. That is unethical. That puts people at risk. That's not being community minded, and that's wrong. And I'm not accusing AZ Central of trying to be sensationalist and get people stirred up. I think that they addressed it, I think that they just kind of half-assed it. And um you know that's that's not good for for anyone especially when nuance is our friend and uh and you just you can't afford to only have part of the information. So I don't I don't appreciate that they put that out there, but it is a conversation that every high school football coach needs to be having with their team and their parents that that say that hey you might feel like this is worth the risk in in the short term and you might be making a sacrifice uh in order to save your teammate's season so you don't end up like this missing the first 3 games of of your season you might feel like there's an incentive to do this but the the fallout would be much much worse and so if anything good comes out of what i felt was uh, uh an unnecessarily and um unnecessary and and and, and poorly um, fleshed out article on AZ central's behalf. It's that at the very least coaches should be having these conversations with the kids. and Right. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, Ralph, thank you for taking the time to join us again uh, on our show. Um, you know, we, we truly appreciate everything that you've done for us, giving us this platform, obviously allowing us to kind of have a little bit more freedom, I guess you can say with being able to talk about whatever we were feeling, Um, you know, like I said, the food, the dumb jokes, and then obviously just to write some really cool content for Arizona varsity as well. Uh, so thank you for that. Thank you for joining us. And, um, obviously we will uh, see you on Friday night. Appreciate it guys. Thanks Ralph. Thank you again to Ralph for joining us. Definitely give him a follow on Twitter at Ralph Obviously follow him on all the team AZV socials. Uh, He does his post-game show every Friday night where most of us, if not all of us, will actually call in, kind of give him an update about the game that we're at. Um, Like I said, he pretty much, you know, chills at a uh, quote-unquote command center and kind of does his thing from there. So uh, it's definitely worth listening to and watching on Twitter, on Periscope. Um, So definitely uh, keep an eye out for that every Friday night. Um, Eric, let's jump into the games that you and i are going to be covering um i kind of already obviously spoiled mine uh with desert vista and basha um so i won't really spend too much time talking about that one again two young teams very evenly matched teams in my opinion uh desert vista gets devin grubbs back and i think it'll be one of those games where the last team who has the ball might actually pull out the victory and get their first one of the season uh where are you going to be this friday
1: I'm going to another Peoria rivalry match. Uh, I was at Cactus and Peoria this last week. On Friday, I'm going to be at Liberty as they host Sunrise Mountain, their big rivalry game. Um, and obviously, it's not the same because there isn't the same amount of fans and everything. But it's, just, uh, it's big for every sport. And I, I'm i just super excited. Liberty is coming off a big win. Sunrise Mountain, as we talked about with Ralph, is 2-0, and o, and they've beaten Cactus and Mesquite. So they still haven't played a 5A team, and they won't again because they're playing a 6A in Liberty. Um, but it it's going to be a good one, I think.
0: Yeah, that, that rivalry, every time I see, whether it be photos or videos from you or just in years past, it seems like it's pretty much always standing room only. Um, what is Peoria doing as far as student sections and everything like that?
1: so from what it looked like at cactus they had uh one side was almost full they had like a good amount um of people there a good meaning like a a high amount and the other side was completely barren so i don't know if that's just them or if that's a uh a district-wide thing but it didn't look like they had a visitor section at all Hmm. um however Liberty stadium is much bigger um So maybe they'll be able to spread them out more or something like that. Um, And yeah, I mean, you're right. Standing room only is exactly the, even basketball last year when Liberty didn't have a very uh, successful win loss team, um, Sunrise Mountain was pretty good last year, but when Sunrise Mountain hosted Liberty was standing room only um, in, they did the girls first and then the boys and the stands were packed for both of them, which was pretty cool to see. Uh, that's awesome games back to back and yeah, it's a, it's a big rivalry. So I think, I think whatever the amount they're allowing in, it's going to be that Um, because it's just, it's an awesome game. And I think both teams have a lot of promise. So there's definitely some, um, something to be excited about there.
0: You know what I would love to see from those two teams is I know this is kind of like one of those, you know, not really about the game kind of thing, But that's the type of rivalry that I would love to see Liberty come dressed in their all-black uniforms, and then Sunrise Mountain come out and they're all yellow.
1: Yeah, that would be cool.
0: That'd be really cool because Sunrise Mountain has, I think, some of the best uniforms in the state. I mean, what do they have, like, what, three or four different helmets and then, like, just a ton of jersey combinations with the purple, the black, the gray, the white, and the yellow, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and they're – I love an all-black uniform, and Liberty's all-black is – particularly cold when they do it.
0: Yeah. Um just the all black and red. I mean there's just something about it like when Williamsfield has that combo on um I mean same thing. And then who else? Red Mountain has a really good all black combo. Um Highlands all black combo was, was really really sweet. I mean that's not that's nothing new for them, but um you know that a lot of these uniforms are getting great. I like, have like, one
1: form. Everywhere. There's one uniform that makes me angry when they do it though
0: okay who is it
1: red mountain when they let me, don't let me guess let me guess team.
0: let me guess let me guess let me guess can i guess yeah you don't like the black on red combo
1: no i just don't think there's enough red like sometimes okay. they go with the black and white numbers with a little bit of red trim and everything like, your name okay. is red mountain like okay. we red you know what yeah. i mean like, i can see that and i don't have anything against that team but if you're if you have a color in your name, you have to wear that color.
0: Okay. Does it make you mad when Williamsfield wears all red and they're the Blackhawks?
1: Yes. That also <laughs> makes me It does. And oh, I get man. you have to have an away jersey or a yeah. home, like you have to switch up the colors, but the Blackhawks, they should be as much black as possible. Like even if they have to wear the white jerseys, go black pants or something like that. And the yeah. black helmet.
0: Well, so Williamsfield... I don't I can't remember if they're these are the same now or not, unless they changed them, but they're when they won the title game over Centennial and I think twenty sixteen or something like that, um they had an all black combo and it didn't even have any red in it at all. It was just black, and then the numbers were like gray or white, and it was a I sweet like look. It was like a sweet that. look.
1: That's cool. That's yeah. what it should be. And then like you can make the away jerseys or the alternates red or white or whatever, and put black numbers. But I mean, especially black is so you can do so much with it. Um, make it the make it black jerseys. Um, I don't know. That's just, a, and maybe they don't have to agree with me, but that's my two cents.
0: I have to ask you, how do you feel about Mountain Point's new uh, maroon helmets?
1: I don't dislike them. Um, I like them a lot. I'm not yeah. gonna lie, i like them a lot i it'll be different i've never seen them in person um yeah. so i've only seen them on social media and everything that might stand out a little bit more but they look nice um yeah. i think it seems like they've been going a little bit more into that maroon uh um, yeah, they
0: haven't worn yellow at all this year
1: yeah that's kind of what i've seen so far is the yeah. um the years past it was the yellows and the whites uh and the blacks but yep it seems like they're diving a little bit more into maroon and that's cool because it, it's a little bit more distinguished. There aren't a ton of other teams that do the maroon
0: like that. Yeah. Not to mention when, when mountain point wore the all yellow with the, with the yellow helmet last year, it was a little too much. It was unnerving. (laughs) It was a little much. Yeah. Sorry, Mm -hmm. mountain point. But, (laughs) and I think, I think they all agree with that. Honestly, it's kind of funny, but, um, Yeah, it was a little too much. The maroon helmets—if they had those last year with those yellow jerseys—I think it would have been a lot better because it kind of would have offset how bright those uniforms were.
1: For sure, Um, uh, I—I think it's crazy how many cool uniforms there are uh, for high school teams, and I think part of it is that you know there a lot of them are sponsored or have partnerships with whatever brands and stuff. But Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's i just remember uh, i graduated from high school nine years ago now um and i mean i think my high school football team the the had two jerseys they had a green and a white like there wasn't and they wore the same ones pretty much every year like it it didn't change that much and now there's the alternates and they've got the combos and some have a throwback jersey um the it's, pink numbers. I've yeah, seen pink the, numbers on it's some cool. of them. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, give them a sense of uh, something different, like make them proud of their high school days. If they're going to do it, might as well do it right.
0: Well, in one school that really does that too is Sawaro. I mean, they've got the black. I think they have a gray. They have a yellow, a white. And then they even have, I think it's like, it's either white with pink or black with pink numbers. Or no, I think they just have a, a pink jersey. I could be wrong. But they also have a green jersey for, I think it was because of their old equipment manager. I think he passed away and his favorite color was green. So they actually got a green jersey for him and they wore it. I think they still wear it every year. Um, I want to say it's like they call it their tug jerseys. I could be wrong on that. But, um, you know, very cool with that, too. And then, I mean, we've seen, who is it? Chandler's got, what, blue, white. I think they have a gray, black. um, Desert Vista's got the gray now thrown in with the with the navy blue and gold yeah. and white and
1: Well, if you're if you're Sawaro when they play is it two weeks they play against Hamilton on national TV?
0: Uh, yes it is.
1: Yeah, so if you're Adidas, you want to absolutely deck them out for a game. Like that's free advertisement. Oh yeah, um,
0: I mean Nike's probably going to do the same thing too, I would assume. Yeah. Cuz and... I think Hamilton is part of I think they call it the Nike Elite I think, I think Hamilton's one of like the few schools that are actually part of that. I don't know if it's like a program or whatever, but, um, and I could be wrong. It may not be Nike elite, but anyway, they, they're like specialized equipment that they get. So I'm I'm pretty sure Hamilton's part of whatever it's called. Yeah.
1: So uh, what I mean is like, you want to absolutely deck the team out because it's advertisement for that. And, um, some of these teams, you know, there's so much social media now that, even the a game that doesn't get broadcast on tv you can find film on twitter online you can find things yeah. everywhere and um cool jerseys stick out
0: yeah if uh, i had if i had to guess though because uh saguaro i think i think Sawaro likes to wear the all black in like their statement games quote-unquote statement games because they were all black in the open semifinals last year right
1: i don't remember
0: I think they did and their all black uniforms are just so clean so i i i would i would kind of hope that they come out in those i don't really want them to come out in like the yellows or the gray um but granted who am i they're not gonna listen to me no matter what they should um and then i think hamilton i would like to see probably just an all-white unless hamilton has like a sweet like like really, really light gray uniform up their sleeves that no one knows about, I think that'd be really cool too. But I don't know if the AIA would consider that a home jersey or not.
1: Yeah, fair enough.
0: Um, I don't even ask about a
1: jersey talk. How did that even happen?
0: I don't know, but I love it.
1: Yeah, me too. Um, (laughs) Because I've
0: even said before that I would love to see like Mountain Point and Desert Vista. I would love to see those two teams wear their home jerseys, kind of like a UCLA, uh, USC kind of thing. Now granted, you UCLA is powder blue and Desert Vista is navy, but still
2: same idea. I think
0: I think if if Desert Vista had like a gold jersey that they could break out, I think that'd be really cool. Or they were their gray ones and Mountain Point wears maroon, that'd be really cool too. Are there
1: any other games that you're looking forward to um and that you won't be at watching, but like yeah. you're excited to see from this coming week what the results are and everything?
0: Um we already talked about it with Ralph, but that Castile-Queen Creek game is definitely interesting. Yeah. Um, I also would like to see how Williamsfield bounces back against Centennial. Um, That's going to
1: be a good one.
0: I think it will too. Because, you know, Centennial obviously had a tough loss to Hamilton week one. Williamsfield is coming off a very tough loss to Queen Creek. So it's kind of one of those which team is going to respond type of games, I guess you could say. Um, what else there were a couple other ones that I was looking forward to like Desert Ridge Higley I think will be interesting mm-hmm. um, Red Mountain Mountain View Battle of Brown Road um, and then
1: you know I'm what I'm look looking through. forward to what's that Cibola Cibola Kofa because I've firmly stuck my flag and I think Cibola is going to be a playoff team um, I don't doubt it. They're playing Kofa. They won 34-14. If they win, they'll be 2-0. and uh, The big match next week will be against Gila Ridge, the other awesome Yuma school. That's uh, that's who I'm looking forward to. So I've, I'm a Cibola Raiders fan this year. I hope I don't jinx them.
0: Um, you know what game I'm kind of looking forward to just to see if 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 this team can keep things going in the right direction? Uh, Desert Mountain at Goldwater. Yeah, I mean, Desert Mountain is two and
1: zero. Desert Mountains two and zero. They they've only given up um a, a very minimal amount of points. Yeah. It's been seventeen all year. Uh, and that's a
0: Thursday game too.
1: That's a Thursday, and that's going to be a good one. Yeah,
0: I, I think, think, think that's part of the. Is that part of the JV sports show? That this week. Be. All right, cool. I can watch that. I don't want to drive all the way to Goldwater. No yeah, offense. I <laughs> It's
1: a long drive for
0: you. It is a long drive being in Chandler. Yeah.
1: Zach, Um, usually you ask me to finish it out. Oh no. But, um, I'm going to do the, I'm going to do the ending today. So check us out, uh, at AZHSFB at team AZV and everything. Check out Zach at, at Zach Alvira, me at E Newman writes and, you know, read our stuff. I don't. I don't do it the same way you do. Um, you. You're more polished. But normally, I make some sort of sound or something. Uh, Zach, you finish us out here.
0: Go Irish.